The mindset of the flesh, the unbeliever, deliberately, notice you set your mind on things, he deliberately thinks about things of this earth, of flesh. He gives attention to that which belongs to life apart from God. He'll get uncomfortable when you bring God up. He doesn't want to hear about it. It kind of gets in the way. His mindset is on the flesh. Then, on the contrary, the mindset on the spirit. The mindset on the spirit is concerned about the things that God's concerned about. The Christian attitude is to be caring about that which God cares about, to be thinking on that which God thinks on. His word, his son, his grace, his goodness. And so the Christian instinctively delights in the things that God delights in. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled Life in the Spirit. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. John puts it in his writings, you've got the regenerate and the unregenerate, those who've been born and have life and those who haven't yet been born again and have not life but death. So you have the lost and the saved. You have the sheep and the goats. You have the tares and the wheat. All the way through Scripture, you see this. And I don't want you to miss these couplets here. You have those who are according to the flesh, verse 5, and those who are according to the Spirit. So there's two categories of people. There's two mindsets. Notice, the mindset on the flesh, verse 6, is death. The mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. There's two patterns of conduct. Those who walk according to the flesh and those who walk according to the Spirit. Walk being the characteristic term in the New Testament of lifestyle. How we daily take step at a time through life. How we live our lifestyle. You walk according to the flesh, according to the Spirit. To Lifestyles are two patterns of conduct and then two spiritual states, death and life. Now, I want to go back and mull that over a bit, and particularly I want to emphasize the second one of those couplets. Now, you can, you can hear and you can see them right there on the surface, those who are according to the flesh, those who are according to the spirit. But look at that second couplet, the two mindsets. Look at verse 6, the two mindsets. The mindset on the flesh or the mindset of the flesh perhaps would be a better rendering because that's what it is really. And the mindset of the spirit. Those are the two mindsets that he's speaking of. And mindset is a great translation of it, but uh, it's not the, it's not the full orb thought here. It, it, the word has to do with our mind, but not just, just, not just our intellect. But the, the attitude, our judgment on things, our views on things, the way uh, we think, the way we prioritize, what we care about even. And so there's two kinds of mindsets. There's the mindset of the flesh, the lost, and the mindset of the spirit, the saved. And I want us to think on, in fact, uh, it's a good good thing to just see the whole picture of the New Testament on this because this is crucial. You see, Christianity, living the Christian life, living in the Spirit. Oh, we hear so much about it today. But a lot of people divorce it from the mind. And they think of, 
You know, I think it's even our English term spirit. They just think it must be just emotion and mood. And so they think in terms of the Holy Spirit as just a mood in the room or... Or, and they think of any kind of intellectual exercise or really thinking about things as kind of getting in the way of the Spirit guiding you. So you just kind of get your mind vacant. Nothing could be further from the truth. Yet a lot of Christians think that to get guidance from God, to walk in the Spirit, to hear from the Spirit is just to kind of vacate your mind and get a vacuum going so you can hear His voice. And that leads to a lot of nonsense in people's thinking and a lot of unbiblical thinking. So the mindset of the Spirit, we want to think about this, and I want you to see how the New Testament uses it. This term itself, there's a verb and a noun. Verb, uh, verbal form and the noun form are identical. They're just depending on the context, really. But uh, he uses it 26 times in the New Testament, and 10 of them are found in Philippians. And sometimes it's good to go there. In fact, I'd like you to just turn over there. And let me, it's interesting, Paul really used this term a lot in Philippians, and it gives us a handle on what, what we're talking about when we say the mindset. And uh, as it's translated, the mindset, it's a good translation. You know, we use that term, what's, what's the Christian mindset, or what's the... Uh, you know, what's a big league mindset when somebody gets to the big leagues? They should develop a big league mindset. Or All the time we use it. We want to create a certain kind of mindset in this business. Uh, what kind of mindset do you have, you know, when you're being interviewed for a job or whatever? We use the term all the time. So I think we've got a good handle in our English, but it's good to see the other ways that it can be translated. And a very familiar text, Philippians 2, verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, is the same term. Have the same attitude that Christ had. Have the same mindset. And then you remember what he goes on to says, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he's after there, he's after a very specific attitude of humility and putting others first. And, uh, that's a great translation. So when you read mindset in Romans 8, think about attitude, your attitudes, not just knowledge, but your attitudes in life. And think about the Christian's attitude versus the non-Christian's attitude. We look at life completely differently. We have a different attitude, and we should remember that. And then uh, look over at chapter 4. Let me. Sh- it's interesting. Paul was using this term in its variety of ways in Philippians. And uh, Philippians 4, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you've revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. You know what? He, he uses that term for concern here. What is it that concerns you? Like tomorrow morning. Well, now Sunday's over. Now's the time to really get to life you know, making dollars or whatever it is, or getting the job done or doing the best. You know, what is it that really concerns you in life? Uh, What is your mindset on? (laughs) That's a good way to ask it, isn't it? What do you really set your mind on? What is your focus? What is your attitude? What is your concern? What do you care about, your concerns? Turn back a page. And uh, look at verse 18 of chapter 3. Many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, 
their appetites. They live just like the world. In fact, they are the world. They live for pleasure or fulfillment or whatever. Their God is their belly, literally, their appetites. They live like animals. That's the non-Christian mindset. And notice he goes on and describes it. Whose glory is in their shame. As we've watched our culture become more and more like this, you've got people just glorying in shame because they say that's their God. Whatever they want to do, they'll do, and they'll do it right in your face. And notice... They set their minds on earthly things. Now, you see gross illustration of it in our culture today, but it can also be very respectable in our culture. And there are many people, maybe you are here, and verse 19 at the end there describes you. You set your mind. He doesn't use the term worldly or sensual or gross now. He said that earlier when he talked about their belly, you know, their appetites, just the base na- uh, instincts of the natural man. But now he comes and says it in a more refined way. They set their mind on earthly things. There are people who think they're Christians whose whole mindset, whose whole attitude, whose whole concern in life is just earthly things. Didn't God give us these things to enjoy? Yes, yes. And so they focus on these, and they've made these things their God, and they think that their God is Jesus Christ. It's not true. But you can see how Paul uses these terms in Philippians. Uh, he uses it repeatedly. And then, uh, I, won't even, I won't go to it, but I'll just suggest to you that in Acts 28, interesting use of the term, when Paul got to Rome and they sent Jewish leaders there, and they said, we've heard about this sect of yours that you're involved in. We, don't, we haven't heard anything good or bad. We just want to get your views on the thing. Remember? Right at the end of Acts 28, it's verse 22. They said, we'd like your views. And this is the term they used. We'd like your opinion, your view. Now, come back to Romans 8. And that's what we're talking about when we say mindset. The mindset of the flesh, the unbeliever deliberately. Notice, you set your mind on things. He deliberately thinks about things of this earth of flesh. He gives attention to that which belongs to life apart from God. He'll get uncomfortable when you bring God up. He doesn't want to hear about it. It kind of gets in the way. His mindset is on the flesh. Then, on the contrary, the mindset on the spirit. The mindset on the spirit is concerned about the things that God's concerned about. The Christian attitude is to be caring about that which God cares about, to be thinking on that which God thinks on, His Word, His Son, His grace, His goodness. And so the Christian instinctively delights in the things that God delights in. Now, having said that, notice it leads to two patterns of conduct, the walk according to the flesh and the walk according to the Spirit. And finally, you have the two spiritual states, death and life. And if you wanted to put it in in a nutshell, you could say this, who we are, those in the spirit and those in the flesh, determines how we think, our mindset. And how we think will govern how we act, walk, and behave. And then you could say that leads to, but I would be careful here because yes, sin and the life or the existence, perhaps I should say, that is just occupied with this world is the life of the non-believer. That's the existence of the non-believer. And, of course, it does lead to death. And Christians do 
inherit eternal life. So sin does bring death. The wages of sin is death, but that's not really what he's after here in Romans 8. What he's after is he's saying that that existence, living according to the flesh, walking according to the flesh, setting your mind on things, it's death. It's the very state of death. And you see that all around us today. People are dead. It's not that they're going to die for their sin. They're dead spiritually. And their very state is spiritual death. And it's not surprising that we see, as the culture has moved further and further from the truth of God, that death has become a culture of itself. And those who are respectable and wear suits and make laws, you know, say it's okay to kill because we'll determine what life is. And so there's all kinds of professional, legalized, clean slaughter going on. But those same respectable ones will just act in you know, shock and horror when death erupts in another realm, like a gun in a classroom or a school, or I mean a church, uh, when some guy decides that he'll take life. And death is becoming part of the culture and celebrated, and young people advocate it. So that's just the fruit of the state that the natural man is in, all those who are according to the flesh. Now, I want to look... Uh, we don't have time, but I want to anyway, so we'll make time just very briefly, and then we'll come back and look at this again. But I want to talk about five things that uh, characterize the flesh and the spirit here, and we need to see it, and then and then we'll just come back and take another run at it. But, but the fleshly mindset, and I'm going to pick on this word mindset because that's the focus Paul uses. He uses it repeatedly, five, six, seven... He uses this term mindset because he's after how we think, okay? And the Christian mindset versus the non-Christian mindset. And I've already said some of these things, but I want us to look at the negative because that's what he emphasizes and then enjoy the positive opposite of that. So the mindset on the flesh, first of all, number one, verse six, is death. Turn that around. When a person comes to Jesus Christ... There is life. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. This is eternal life, Jesus prayed, that they might know thee. When you come to know Jesus Christ, it isn't just justification. I mean, Romans spent a long time on that. But there's more there. There's life and peace. I came that they might have life, not existence, but life. You recently came to Christ, you know what I'm talking about. You have life now. Death is ultimately separation. The mindset on the flesh is death. You were separated from God, but now you have life. You have relationship with Him. And that's why the Gospel of John repeatedly, I think it's 58 times he says, you've got life in Christ. You believe and you have life And that's the first thing he underlines. Then secondly, the fleshly mindset, verse 7, is hostile toward God. It's hostile toward God. That is one of the strongest indictments in all of Scripture. The natural mindset, the mindset on the flesh, is hostile toward God. Turn that around, and Christian thinking, Christian attitude is reconciled to God. It loves God. The believer loves the things of God. You know, sometimes people say, am I saved? Do you love the things of God? 
Do you love Him? Do you love His Word? Or is it hostility to you? You say, well, I'm here. Well, it's good. that's good. A lot of people come to church, aren't Christians. But it, you'll find that Christians do go to church because we love to hear the things. We love to sing the things of God. We're not hostile toward God. Our mindset is positive toward God. We love Him. We love His Word. We love the things of God. We love the children of God. If we say we love God and hate His kids, we're liars. Remember that? First John. So there's this hostility toward God that the fleshly mindset has, verse 7, and he doesn't comment on it, but the obvious is the other way around. In fact, look over at verse 28. God causes all things to work together for good to who? To Christians, that's who. But how are Christians described there? Those who love God. Do you love Him? I often ask people that. You know, I ask people that sometimes when they're being belligerent and stubborn and willfully saying, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. I'll just stop all the arguments and just look them in the eye and say, do you love Christ? I'm not asking, do you believe in Him? Do you have faith in Him? Do you love the Savior? Do you love Him? And I am shocked if anyone who says they know Him can't answer that immediately and be humbled by the very question, do you love Him? God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him. That's what a Christian is. It's the one who loves Him. Thirdly, the mindset of the flesh is not subject to God's Word. It does not subject itself, verse 7, to the law of God. Pharaoh, you remember? When Moses came and said, Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Who's the Lord? Remember what Pharaoh said? He didn't know God. Who's the Lord that I should obey Him? The mindset on the flesh is not subject to God's Word. Turn that around. The mindset of the Spirit, the Christian, is subject to God's Word. He loves God's Word. He listens to the voice of God as found on Scripture, in the pages of Scripture, and he responds to it. Fourth, look at the end of verse 7. The mindset of the flesh isn't even able to submit to God's Word, to the law of God. It reminds me of Corinthians when Paul is speaking of the natural man. He says, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. And he says two things there in verse, I'm quoting chapter 2, verse 14 of Corinthians. He says, by nature, the things of Christ, they're foolishness to the natural man. He has an attitude problem, but he also has an aptitude problem. He cannot understand them. Well, Romans 8, 7 says, he is not even able to do so. He's not even able to do so. And, of course, the other way around, and we're going to have to come back and really camp on these things, but just think about it. Paul could say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. And the psalmist is full of words like, I will keep and obey and wait for and long for thy word. Why? Because the believer loves God's word and is able to keep God's word, not in his own strength, but in the power of the Spirit. As he says here, the mindset on the Spirit. And then fifthly, maybe the strongest statement of all, verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And let me turn that around and say that those who are in the Spirit can. 
When you come to Jesus Christ, you are born again and you can please him. Now, don't misunderstand that. There is only one who could say, I always do the things that please the Father. John 8, 29, Jesus Christ himself. But Paul said, our ambition, whether dead or alive, at home or absent in 2 Corinthians 5, is to be pleasing to the Father. Is that your ambition? Do you desire to please him? Do you pray for that? Paul did in Colossians 1.10. He said, oh, I pray that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will so that you may please him in all respects. Or he said in Thessalonians, I wrote you as to how you ought to walk and please the Lord just as you're also walking, and now I want you to excel still more. If anyone's enlisted as a soldier, he said to Timothy when he wrote to Timothy in the last letter, remember, right before death, he said, you're supposed to seek to please the one who enlisted you as a soldier. You please your commanding officer. That's the Christian life. The flesh cannot please God, but those in the Spirit can and do please God. Now, you see these great distinctions here. And let's stop and look back just at verse 8 one more time. And let me just say, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, Hebrews eleven six says. Let me just stop and say this. Every Christian, verse 9, has the Spirit. He says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Him. So He is going to unfold it for us. The Spirit is the author of life, verse 10 and 11, and hence we're under obligation to live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And He's going to unfold this for us, but He has given us the two kinds of people, the two mindsets, the two patterns of conduct, and He's given us the two states. And there's great contrast, and there's great wealth for our lives as Christians to just think on these things and enjoy the fact that we have everything we'll ever need in Christ Jesus. We have everything we'll ever need in Christ to walk in the Spirit, and He dwells in us. And so our responsibility as Christians is to let Him empower us and guide us. Someone says, how? And I'll just stop by saying this, obviously. You can't read this section and not see the importance of the mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. Let these wholesome, good, righteous things dwell in your mind, he says in Philippians. And so let me encourage you, Christian, fill your mind with the things of God. Don't ever think that to walk in the Spirit is to somehow just kind of get in a zone and just hear from God. No. Fill your mind with the mind of Christ. Fill your mind with His words. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you, and you will hear from God, and He will guide and direct your life, and you will please God. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Life in the Spirit, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. 
That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. Recently, we've added the countries of Guinea, Mali, Togo, and Ivory Coast to the ever-expanding outreach of the project. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to RomansProject.org or connect with us at Facebook.com slash RomansProject. We're thankful that you've chosen to listen to us on this station. And we invite you to downtownbible.org to download or listen to any past program or to subscribe to our daily podcast. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Life in the Spirit will be a life of obedience and keeping and observing and guarding and even performing, not in the negative sense of performance or acting and, you know, religionists, they love to perform and act and put on a show for others and uh, obey outward rules and things to kind of score points. But the Christian life sometimes is uh, confused with that in people's minds because the Christian life, there's going to be obedience, there's going to be observance, there's going to be performance. But it's from the inside out. It's the life of the Spirit. And it's the farthest thing from that dead, dull, lifeless kind of legalism that it's often confused with. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. It's, out, it's born out of love. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, Life in the Spirit. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. <laughs> 